Hello and welcome to episode Tommy Wingles of the Cosper Pointcast. I'm your co-host Trevor Shackles, joined as always by my fellow co-host Colin Cudmore. As we're recording this right now on Thursday night, the Senators have played 18 games this season, and they're somehow 6-4 and four in their last 10 games, which is just wild. Colin, what's going on with a team that's supposed to be horrible recently? I mean, I guess they're bringing Pesky back, right? It's, uh... Uh, they just seem to be. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's 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 kind of weird. They've uh, um, they've just been able to pull out wins somehow in games where they just shouldn't have been able to win, and in some games where they get decimated in the first period and a half, and they somehow can bring it back in in the, in the final few minutes or in the final period or whatnot. But uh, yeah, they they're they're pulling out wins, which I mean, looking for the tank, it's. Kind of unfortunate, honestly. I mean, at least we're mm-hmm. getting some good performances from some individual players, but um, just given their roster, I mean, you wouldn't expect this team to win one out of ten games. Like it's uh, it, it's pretty bare. But uh, I don't know. They're somehow getting being able to do it. So I guess the yeah one player who's really been uh, leading this recent stretch of wins. I, I mean. We say it's a stretch of wins, but I mean it's 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 six and four. It's not like it's for for a team that's destined to be last place, or I mean at this point, who knows? But they were supposed to be last place. A stretch of six and four is incredible. I guess so, yeah. And I guess the one player reading that, I guess we're gonna talk about it, is Jean Gabriel Pajot, who's up to eleven goals already. Eleven goals, like that's, that's what a third of his career high already. It's it's more than that. His career high is at nineteen. Yeah. So yeah, he's never yeah. hit thirty, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and 15 points, and I don't know, what, what are your thoughts on Pajot and, and how his role's kind of evolved so far? Yeah, I mean, it's it's really insane. I mean, I feel like every every game I've been tweeting something about, okay, this is getting a bit ridiculous now. Um, and he's obviously heavy on the goals rather than the assists. Um, you know, he, he has only 15 points in the, in these 18 games. But, um, yeah, I mean, he, he had the hat-trick the other game against the Devils, and I mean, one of them was a uh, an empty netter, but they all count the same. And he's shooting twenty four point four percent right now. Uh, in his best season, when he had 40, 43 points, he was shooting I, I think just over nineteen percent. So kind of a, a similar run here. And he's league leading plus nineteen. Not that that means anything, but it's just sort of shows how insane that is. How good and also lucky you have to be to be plus 19 on a team that's this bad um it's just it's a weird stretch and it's fun watching him um score all these goals but at the same time i feel like we're getting a massive over uh, overvaluation of how good he actually is because don't get me wrong i think we all love pajot but i feel like some people are are thinking that all of a sudden this 27 year old is going to become some I don't know, 40 to 50 point player when we really know that's not exactly what he is. Uh, I mean, 40 points isn't out of the stretch for Pajot entirely, uh, but I mean, look, looking just past points, I mean, he is a, a, a good, uh, he's always been a solid defensive player. He's never really totally. been an offensive stalwart, but I guess given these uh, top six minutes, now first line minutes, essentially, um, I don't know, I guess, I guess he's just really... Stepping up to the plate, although as you mentioned, there is definitely quite a bit of luck that's been going into that twenty-four percent shooting percentage and whatnot. But, um, but yeah, I, I mean, it's good to see that um, he's kind of evolved into this role. But at the same time, we have to look at. Um, I'm looking at his contract. He's he's unrestricted free agent after the season, and that's going to be a, a huge. Um, he's essentially he's a huge asset for Ottawa at this point as well because at the trade deadline he's going to be. A very attractive player, assuming he can actually keep this up and doesn't get injured and whatnot. But, I mean, they, they, we even heard this past week that the reported returns for Pajot is a first-round pick and plus a prospect. And that's, that's insane. Pajot as a rental as well. So, yeah, it's, it's like... We, we see these GMs giving up an, an arm and a leg at, uh, at the trade deadline all the time. Added on top of that, that Pajot was just on a hot streak right now. It's a ma- I'd I'd wonder even if if uh, it'd be worth dealing him now, like before he even starts cooling down. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know. But any other thoughts on what like a Pajot trade might look like, and should they even I mean, do it? I guess. I mean, yeah. I someone I would compare him to, um, just reputation wise, I would say is like Antoine Vermette. And even when he was thirty three, um, he got traded from Arizona to to uh, Chicago. He um, Arizona was able to get. 
Klaus Dahlbeck, who was a prospect. I mean, he didn't turn into anything and a first round pick. So I think that, you know, it, Pajot was six years younger than Vermette was at that time. So I, I think it's, you could honestly expect to get something like that in return at the deadline, which is just insane to me because, I mean, that's almost comparable to what they got for Matt Duchesne. But I, I think teams are going to be really desperate. They're going to want a guy like Pajot who can play on the second or third line in the playoffs. Um, you know, someone who has two four-goal playoff games, which is ridiculous. Um, he, he's cheap for this season and probably won't be massively expensive moving forward. Um, but yeah, I think it's he's he's someone that ideally I would love to have him around for the rebuild, like for the next you know, three to four years or something. Um, I think he's someone that loves it here. He's obviously local. He can be a good leader for this team. But at the same time, if a, if a team is offering up a first-round pick and even like a B-level prospect, that's going to be incredibly hard to turn down because that's just that's, – that's more than he's worth, especially as a rental. Um, and, I mean, this is kind of pie-in-the-sky pie scenario, but – there's always the slight chance that they trade him and then he wants to come back in the in the summer uh, anyway. Probably wouldn't happen, but, I mean, you sort of never know. I mean, you mentioned Antoine Vermette earlier, and that's exactly what happened with that trade. He came back to Arizona right afterwards. Right, right yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> but but I, I'm going to disagree with you on one point. I actually don't think Pajot is as, is as essential for the rebuild as we may think, um, just because the Suns have this influx of centers that are up, up and coming, and especially if they end up drafting a center in, in this draft, which, I mean... Even since, ever since they took Lassie Thompson, I've kind of been convinced that no matter what the Sens are going to do, they're going to try and get a high-end center mm-hmm. in, in this draft. But um, yeah, there's going to be the influx of centers. Pajot is not going to be able to hold on to that first-line spot. And especially if he ends up having this demand and unrestricted free agency too, um, that could really drive up what he may ask for a contract. And especially if he keeps shooting 24.4%. Like, look at what happened with uh, Zach Smith, right? And yep. I mean, Zach Smith is a few, was a few years older in this situation. And I mean, I wouldn't call Zach Smith as good a player as Pajot. Pajot definitely has a bit more defensive competency overall and a bit more uh, of a. Um, he's been able to do it throughout his career consistently. But at the same time, like, if Pajot is demanding anything more than. than I, 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 I'm just spitballing. Actually, numbers. wait, wait, hold, hold the number because I, I, let's go through an exercise and see right. where, <laughs> where your comfort level is. Um, and before we get into that, I will say I, I do agree in terms of the, um, you know, they, they will have a decent amount of centers, especially if they do draft someone like Byfield or, or something like that. Um, so I don't think he is necessary in terms of their roster composition. I just do think that is it is um, it's nice to have another veteran. Um, on the team, someone that can be a good leader. Um, but let, I, so I, I, I want you to say if you'd be willing to give a certain amount of term and then a certain amount of dollars. So would you be willing to do one year for him? Resign. Oh, totally. Yeah. Easy. Two years. Uh, yeah. Three. Sure. And anything past that is a bit kind of integrated. So you wouldn't do four. I, I, I consider it, but I probably would let him walk at that point. Yeah. So I think four is kind of my gray area. Five and up, definitely no. Yeah. But yeah, like three, I think would be absolutely perfect. E- even then, I- I'd just be a bit a bit hesitant. It all depends on the mm. dollars too. But uh. okay, so let's do dollars. Um, he's making three point one right now. So um, three point one, you comfortable with that? Oh, totally. Yeah. Three point five. Yeah, I think so. Four. I-, I mean, it depends on the term at this point, but I th- I'd say four. Yeah. Four, you do okay. Four and a half. I, I yeah, that's where it's getting the, the gray area. Yeah, gray area, and then like four seven five. That that's probably about where I'd expect him to get on the free market. Yeah, I would think so too. I I would put mine. I would probably put mine at like four and a half capped, and then five. Like I would definitely say no. I don't know about you. Yeah, at that point. Yeah, uh, I mean he 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 is a good player, and honestly, like. If you're comparing him to someone like Ryan Dezingle, I mean, I'd probably actually put them right kind of in that same echelon in, 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 yeah. in, in contract comparisons. And, of course, Pajot is a center, too, so that may bump it up even more. But it, it, it's, it's still a long ways to go, and his shooting percentage could easily regress or he could get injured or something, which could really uh, um, derail that, which would be unfortunate. Because, I mean, 
who doesn't love Pajot? And that's something that we also, can't, we also can't forget about, about Pajot. He's such an integral part to this team's brand at this point. Without yeah. without Carlson or Stone or anyone like that, Pajot is kind of like, aside from guys like Kachak and Shabbat, Pajot is the guy who's been here for a long time and has seen this, been with this team through through a lot of through everything in this era, era through the Hamburg Hamburger run, the 2017 playoff run, and I mean he's the local guy too, so he's just super marketable. And I even um, I I wrote about this at the beginning of the season on someone else's site, but it it was it was defending an offer of, or saying why the Senate should not trade Pajot, and it was because they have Chris Tierney as well, and I, I feel like that's someone who also just needs to be discussed as someone who could potentially be traded, and mm-hmm. if the Sens can get. Uh, if the Sens can get a first-round pick and a prospect for Chris Tierney, I mean, do that deal every single day as well. Yes. But uh, uh, I, I wonder what those offers will, would, would be like for Pajot and Tierney. And, and if so, I'd probably put Tierney as the guy I'd want to trade more. Or maybe trade them both. I don't know. Yeah, and I think you could certainly defend the decision to trade them both. Um, I think just in terms of on-ice value and also just sentimental value, I'd much rather have Pajot over Tierney. Um, but... Yeah, I I would still put money down that Pajot ends up re-signing. I could see maybe like a four-year deal or something, and it's probably going to be for a bit more money than I'd like and probably other fans would like. But um, yeah, I don't know. How do you see it shaking out? Um, I'm honestly unsure at this point. I feel like they are going to make him a contract offer. Um, how serious they are about that offer, I'm really, I'm really not sure. But I feel like it's just worth talking about um, just the rest of the players that might be up for, available for trade at the deadline because they, they do have quite a few UFAs on their roster right now. Mm-hmm. So on top of Pajot, there's guys like Nemestikov, uh, Craig Anderson, um, Tyler uh, Ennis, Ron Hainsey. Uh, there's 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 plenty of guys, and I'm, and I I, we, I think we touched on this on an earlier episode, but um, how many of these guys do you think you'd be willing to trade at this point, or is there kind of a limit to how many you should trade? I mean. I don't think there's really a limit. I think there's more guys that I'd be willing to keep around. I think, obviously, you're you're letting Anderson walk. Um, you're letting Bodker walk. Ideally, if if some team wants to trade for Hainsey and Ennis, they're gone. I, I would love to to get some sort of return for them, just because I mean they're they're one year um, they're on a one year contract, so there's I doubt they'd be bringing them back. Um, and then. You know, Chris Tierney, like we've been saying, ideally we'd like to trade him just because he, he's pretty redundant, especially if you are keeping Pajot around and then you got White, you have Logan Brown, hopefully Josh Norris is is playing really well in Belleville, and then potentially you have another top center this draft. So there isn't really much room for Tierney. Um, and then after that, like I, there's, I don't know, I, I could see the, the pros and cons for keeping certain guys. Like I think I'd be interested in keeping Nemesnikov. Um, not that I think he's necessarily like a, a top six player or anything. I think he's well suited on the third line, but <clears throat> I think he provides good value on, on the third line there, um, offensively and defensively. And then someone like Duclair, if you can get him on a two year deal, that'd be ideal. Just kind of, um, whether he's an actual important piece to your team or just sort of a bit of a placeholder. Um, I'd love to keep DeMello around. I think he's perfect for just playing on any pairing doesn't really matter and yeah and then connor brown as well he he's an rfa um i i can't imagine them moving on from him especially after getting off to a solid start so there's there's a few guys though that i mean i wouldn't be opposed to trading nemestikov or even duclair or probably not to mellow just because they're thin on the right side but there's there's arguments to be made for for um keeping them or trading them for a lot of these guys see i'm i'm a bit i'm a bit more on the side of just trading as many people as possible as as long as <laughs> but my exception would be guys like duclair and nick paul who are still fairly young and can stick around the team for a while but i mean every single ufa try and get a pick for them call up someone from call up someone from belleville take their spot and just just get all the picks in, in this draft it's really going to be worth it for the draft it's just getting um I just really loading up for this draft is going to be essential for the sense in the future. And as much as we, as much as there are things getting them themselves in the way from, uh, 
maybe becoming a, a great team in the future. Um, I mean, we're the cost for point cast after all. <laughs> but <laughs> but I, I mean, th- there's it, this draft is so stacked that I mean, if they could really nail this draft, then I feel like that could actually like set them up for the future. Um, so that in a few years they could actually be a contending team and have those top uh, pieces in place. Totally. What what about someone like Demello though, who is a UFA? He's still only 26. I mean, if you could get him on a two or three year deal, and he won't be expensive because he doesn't put up points. Um, I mean, are you are you still wanting to trade him too? Um, I, I think so. I mean, it depends on the context. I feel like at this point, um, it was only yesterday that he actually started playing with with Thomas Shabbat for the first time. Yeah, which is kind of unfortunate because they've been such a good pairing together. So if if TJ Smith keeps on insisting on keeping Shabbat and Demello apart, then I'd say that he isn't really actually providing much use to, to the lineup anymore. And uh, even then, like if if again, it depends on what the what what pick they'd be getting to. I mean, if if they're only going to get a fifth or a sixth round pick for him, then at this at that point, it's like wh- why even bother? I mean, they they, they can. Uh, mm-hmm. th- those are well, I don't think they'd players. be getting much for him because I mean, he was before he was Delta Ottawa. He was. Um, he wasn't even tendered a qualifying offer by mm-hmm. San Jose, and then he just became a UFA. Um, so I, I don't think he has tons of value around the league, even though I do think he is a quality defenseman that can be easily on your second pairing. Yeah, totally. And at that point, if, if, if it becomes more of a decision between re-signing him and not re-signing him, then yeah, sure, re-sign him. He, he can be valuable on that right side, and mm-hmm. and especially with the right side being thin, as you mentioned, that he can be a valuable piece. But I mean, if they can get a third-round pick for DeMello, I'd take that trade in a heartbeat, honestly. Hmm, interesting. So I, I, I would definitely predict that they're probably going to get picks for, I'd say, like, Hainsey, Ennis, and probably Tierney, I think. But I, I don't think they're going to be making many other deals. I mean, they're not going to be getting anything for Bodker. Um, I'd be shocked if they traded Boro and, like, Brown and Duclair probably get re-signed. So... Yeah, I could see Hainsey, Ennis, and, and Tierney getting moved. That's probably the most realistic, I'd say. Yeah, these are all going to be very, like, just players for picks and maybe a couple prospects trades. Yeah. We, we, yeah. All the interesting trades were over last year. <laughs> as sad as yeah. those trades yeah. were, I mean, they're not going to get anywhere near the packages they got there. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. unless you want to compare some, like, Pajot to, like, what they got for Dezingle, which... I mean, that that could be a good deal if they get. Uh, Hell, I mean, more like Duchesne if you're, if you're yeah, getting the really. first from the prospect. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, for sure. Um, now, now, one of the guys that we mentioned in this list was Nick Paul. And, man, over the past few weeks, he is really... The fan base is really starting to love him, and yeah. I love to see that. He's, he's finally been given a chance in the NHL. Um, and in 13 games so far, he's already got eight points. Not that he's even necessarily expected to to be a point producer. I, I think he's just, you know, he, he he's expected to be in the bottom six, but he's been very solid. I think he's shown a lot more skill than he ever ever has, and you know he's he was never given a chance under Boucher. Like the the few games that he played, he he averaged about eight minutes per game um, over the past two seasons, and this year he's. I think he was up to somewhere around 15. I had it before, but um, a lot more ice time this season, and he looks a lot more confident. And um, obviously, there was the news that he he was told to to buy a place in, in Ottawa. And honestly, I, I just love to see that because I feel like he got the the short end of the stick on a lot of the times the past few seasons. Oh, totally. And yeah, count myself a Nick a Nick Paul fan as well. I mean, he's he really showcased his his skill set last year in Belleville and. I, and during his call-ups from, from Ottawa last season and even the season before, I was really hoping he'd, he'd show that more. And, and even though he was solid defensively, I mean, we, we just didn't really get to see that skill side as much. And I mean, part of that is because he was with terrible linemates and just wasn't getting played much. But at the same time, he just really didn't seem to jive all that well in the, in the, as, as, as well in the NHL as I would have hoped um, based on what based on how he's done in the AHL. 
So, yeah, seeing that from Nick Paul is definitely a great thing. But at the same time, it's also worth reminding ourselves that Nick Paul isn't necessarily the most consistent player. He also goes <laughs> through some pr pretty rough stretches at points where in the AHL he, he's gone through some uh, really rough pointless streaks and then really bounced back afterwards. So uh, maybe this is, I mean, it, again, it's, 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 fifth, it's, it's 13 games, which is still, I mean, for the NHL, it's still a pretty small sample size. But, I mean, uh, hopefully the security that... that he knows he can stay in the NHL. Maybe that'll boost his confidence. Maybe that'll uh, allow him to take a bit, a few more risks and not be as maybe nervous on the ice. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm definitely happy with how he's been doing so far. Um, I mean, point production, that's not really what I'm focusing on for him. I just want to see him um, showcasing that skilled side of him while also uh, um, being a competent two-way player, which I, I know he can be. So yeah, good for Nick Paul. I hope he sticks yeah. around. Yeah, exactly. And and like you mentioned, he's he definitely can be streaky. Um but at the same time, you you don't need him to be this point producer as long as like I'd be happy if he you know, puts up 25 points and is is providing excellent defense on the fourth line because that's that's pretty much just what they need him to be. They just need him to be a, a good depth player, which they've really lacked honestly the past like decade. Like they've never really had good forward depth. And he's still young. He's 24. Um, so hopefully they can they can keep him around during this rebuild. And um, yeah, it's just I, I I think a lot of people are are um, just just really happy for Paul that the, the fact that he has finally uh, cemented a spot on this team. And um, yeah, yeah, for sure. I I think you wanted to talk about the the next one. Talk about the team shot rates a bit. Uh, I don't know. Do, do you have anything that? stands out to you just from looking at the, the just based on the analytics side how, how do you feel, yeah how do you feel the sense of doing right now yeah it was just kind of interesting i was looking at natural statric uh today um shout out to brad brad timmons who uh who runs that from silver seven he or sorry he uh ottawa's Corsi right now is at they're 28th in the league at 46.9 percent which i mean that's not really surprising they were around there last season too um but Somehow they're actually 13th in the league in expected goals for percentage at 51.16. So that um, and they're 10th in offense and 17th in in defense in in that respect. And that was just very striking to me because, I mean, I guess that must mean they're getting good quality chances when they're um, when they're actually putting pucks on net. And that's, I mean you don't really expect much from from this kind of roster but yeah somehow i mean they have a higher expected goals percentage than the leaves you, you, I, it really comes down to brady kachuk i feel it's the brady yeah, kachuk effect probably. <laughs> i mean kachuk is just such a shot generator and not just from not just in generating shots but he can generate i mean he's always in close he's always in front of the net he's always generating these high chance expected goals uh, Opportunity, opportunity. So, I'd have to dig deeper into it, in, into that. But I mean, I was looking at uh, Brady Kachuk shot maps or just last week, and yeah, I mean, he he just stays in front of the net, and that uh, the, the way these models are built, it's 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 based off of uh, um, models that take the prob takes. It, it, I'm not entirely sure about how this particular model is built, but it, lots of them are built off of like probabilities from from different ranges and, and of course when you're closer to the net i mean much higher chance of uh, the shot's going to go in so um kachuk is just that type of player who really drives these these expected goals so i yeah. wouldn't be overly surprised if just it's a lot of kachuk driving this goal yeah oh it, it totally could be and um i don't think it really means much in terms of it's it's not like oh all, all of a sudden ottawa's actually a good team and they should be winning a lot more games no that's that's not really the case but um, it is sort of interesting that they're not dead last or even near dead last um, in, in both of these categories. Well, I mean, they are in Corsi, but not in expected goals. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we, we talk a lot about tanking and it's going to be tough to win this battle. They, they might end up winning the lottery, but I don't know, Colin. I, I feel like they're not going to be finishing dead last. There's some real bad teams this year. <laughs> Man, yeah. I mean, look how the Red Wings are doing. Look at how the Wild are doing. Yeah, there's there's some real tough competitors. I mean, Devils, the Rangers, what, Kings. What, what, what's the score of the Rangers game right now? I saw they were. Down it was eight one. It eight might... one after the second period. And yeah. I mean, what what's what's up? I mean, the the 
there's really just this discrepancy between the really good and the really bad teams in the NHL this year. And the Sens are definitely still in that bottom group, obviously. But, I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's not like they are alone like they were last year. So, um, I don't know. Just, just uh, they're winning too much. You gotta yeah. stop. Gotta yeah. stop winning. <laughs> gotta, uh, gotta play uh, Anderson a bit more. I don't Speaking know. of that, it's kind of sad to see. I believe San Jose's won four in a row now too. So I mean, right, they're still right. even with that, they still are only eight, ten, and one, and are twenty fifth in the league. So they, you know, they would still be far out of a playoff spot. They are. Let me see here. They would be. Okay, well, four points out, but they've played one more game. So, I mean, they're obviously not um, they're not nearly dead or anything. They're still off to a terrible start, but, you know, four wins in a row, kind of getting nervous about them uh, being back for good soon. Yeah, I, I have the draft board up right now, and based on points per game, the Sens are projected to have the fifth overall pick, the seventh overall pick from San Jose, um, the 36th pick, which is their, their their pick in the second round. The 37th pick, which is Columbus's pick, who's Ooh. also not doing well in the second round. And then um, pick number 41 as well from Dallas. Wow. So if they can get five <laughs> five picks in the top 41, that's... Uh, that's crazy. That, that's a pretty insane draft value. And, and yeah. just, uh, hopefully they can su- uh, supplement that at the trade deadline. But hmm. Especially yeah. because most drafts, it's sort of like that... 20 to 40 or 45 range is pretty interchangeable so i mean those early second round picks could pretty much be like late first rounders oh i mean it's it's basically that when you look at the draft value charts especially but i i mean i'm not gonna lie it's a bit of a discussion i'm doing mock drafts every day on my uh (laughs) oh yeah my uh, this google sheet that i got public made for everyone but uh uh, yeah it's 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 pretty amazing because there's always I kind of have a simulation set up so that you can kind of simulate um, the craziness of what a draft might look like. And there could be some pretty amazing players that could fall out of the first round into Ottawa's hands at 36th or 37th or maybe even a bit higher. But let's just hope that, again, I hope they nail this draft because, I mean, the last year definitely didn't really help in getting my hopes up for this year. So Yeah, I mean, last year they could have gotten, what, Bobby Brink and um, Arthur Kaliev. You know, I think they could have had both of them, right? Yeah, well, I mean, they would have had to... Yeah, or... Yeah, as long as they took uh, one of them instead of Lassie Thompson. Oh, no, I meant I meant for the second round. Wait, did they have... Because with, with Pinto and Sogard, couldn't they have gotten... Oh, no, because they were both gone before Sogard. Oh, were they? Okay. Well, either way, they, they could have gotten... Um, they definitely could have gotten Kaliev. They, they passed on him. But, I mean... If you want to get into some prospects now, um, speaking yeah. of Shane Pinto, he's gotten off to a decent start at uh, at North Dakota, and there's three prospects on that team um, that the Senators have. So there's there's Pinto. He's got six points in nine games. Not a bad start for freshmen. Um, and then you have Jacob Bernard Docker, who's tied for second on the team in scoring with eight points. And Johnny Taconic had a big two goal game, I believe, like a week ago or something. Yeah. Um, yeah, now he's up to five points in only seven games. So hopefully he's, you know, sort of back on the right track. I know he got scratched a couple games, but yeah, that UND team is really interesting to follow just because of those three sense prospects. For sure. Yeah. I I mean, it's been pretty up and down for everyone this year. I mean, uh, it's only like less than a dozen games, how many games into the season It is really not much. Yeah, nine. they really aren't far into the season at this point, but already Jacob Bernard Tucker was off to a slow start and kind of rebounded a, a, a little bit more recently. Uh, Shane Pinto was off to a very hot start and has really cooled down recently. I think um, UND had an eight-goal game where he didn't get a single point recently, so that was a bit <laughs> of a bummer. But um, and uh, who am I missing? Yeah, again, Tyconic he had that big two-goal game recently. So uh, I mean, it, considering that was his first ever uh, NCAA goal in a yeah. season, I mean, it's. Uh, pretty big for him and, and i mean they were only 33 seconds apart too is both his goals so um hopefully he can carry that confidence but uh it, it's definitely yeah you're right it's an intriguing team to watch because uh um just the, it, it, it's it's not often you have um does one nhl team have like this like three prospects playing on the same junior team like it's it's, it's really not all that common that, you, that we see this happen so yeah it's quite strange um, 
yeah, I don't know. It, it maybe it's maybe it's a intentional strategy for them. I'm sure it actually kind of wasn't intentional at this point to kind of bring these players up together who've been friends. I know Tyconic and Bernard Docker have been friends for 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 a long time too. So, but uh, yeah, yeah. And there's there's some. I just wanted to go over some um, updates for other prospects as well. Belleville. In terms of defense, they've been pretty bad. I don't know if yeah. this was updated from last night as well, but as of a couple of days ago, they were dead last in terms of goals against per game. And, you know, Hogberg and Gustafson have not been good. Um, but it has been uh, encouraging that their offense has been very solid, especially the players that you want to see succeed are succeeding. So Batherson has 15 points in 13 games. Uh, Josh Norris has 10 in 13 Vitaly Abramov has 9 and 11, and Fermentin has 8 and 13. So, um, you know, all, all four of those players have been very solid, especially of late. And, you know, I, I wouldn't even be surprised if, I guess, Batherson, Norris, and maybe even Abramov as well are up are all up at the same time later in the season um, if they do move someone like Ennis and maybe some other people are hurt as well. Just because those three have been have been quite solid, um, so I, I'm sure I'm sure a few of these guys will be getting a chance. Um, at at what point, who knows? But yeah, yeah. Oh, definitely. They've based on their play recently, especially they, they've most most of them have I, I think warranted a spot in the in the NHL. Like even I, if if there were spots on the roster this week, I'd call them all up in a heartbeat. Maybe with the exception of Alex Formanson, I think he still needs some work down there based on uh, yeah, especially defensively, but. Uh, Batherson, he he should. Uh, I don't even see the point of why they sent him down to begin with. Um, Josh Norris, um, I mean, he's definitely been playing well. I I I I kind of like to see him maybe spend a full year down there, sort of like what they did with Logan Brown last year. But uh, Abramov as well. He he's been. Uh, I was I was actually kind of impressed with his stint as well in the NHL, as short as it was. So um, we'll have to see how that goes. Uh, Phil Schlappick as well. Um, very slow start in the AHL, but I mean, he he's been doing a. Uh, Decently, he's actually been getting a bit more of a shot now in the NHL as well, too. I mean, his first few games were all, like, five, six, seven-minute nights, and now he's actually playing, like, over ten minutes a game now. So that's good to see out of him. Um, yeah, and I guess um, you mentioned the goalies swell in, in the AHL, Marcus Hogberg and Philip Gustafson. Yeah, Gustafson is really—I'm um, not really sure what's up with him. I mean, I'm not a goalie analyst, so I'll uh, put that at the forefront. But um, even for Hogberg, I actually wouldn't say he's been doing— all that horribly. I, f- I feel like most of the analysts I see who uh, are really analyzing Belleville and following them a lot closer than I am, I think are really pinning it almost all on just how bad the defense is this year. And I, I mean, they-, they do have quite a few forwards as well and are very lacking on the defensive side. So um, I'd be interested to see if maybe they make a minor league deal where they can ship out a forward someone like uh, um, or, uh, someone like I, I don't even do. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Maybe Carcone or, or Klimchuk or something could right. be, some, or maybe Swars. Like, yeah, or even future future considerations. Even maybe someone's just yeah. willing to give up a player, or like a defenseman who can play on that right side, especially. Um, like it, it's actually a bit too bad because guys like Christian Yaros and Max Lajoie just hasn't haven't really been all that effective either, from what I've been hearing from again more more people who have been following them closer. So yeah. Um, they they haven't really been progressing as much as I would have hoped them to to be, but uh, definitely it, it it's it's definitely the offenses that is carrying them right now. You're right. So uh, guys like Batherson, I mean, if, if he was in the in the NHL right now, I'm not sure what even Belleville would probably be near the bottom right now. He's just that effective a player for them. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I really don't see the point. Like you're saying, I really don't see the point in him being in Belleville at this point. He's over a point a game player for a season and a bit now he's he's clearly too good i mean sure maybe he hasn't been that great in the nhl and that and that's fair but there's there's nothing to be learned in in belleville anymore for him um but yeah like at least it would be kind of frustrating if belleville was getting all their points from you know klimchuk and and swars and and these guys who aren't real prospects or like who, who aren't you know not not players to be excited about so at least the guys who are producing or who should be producing are producing for them yeah totally and with that i think it's good if we uh, uh get to the listener questions or was there anyone else you wanted to talk about i mean i think 
a couple defensemen who are in Europe um, oh, are right. w- worth mentioning. Ollie Alsing and, and Lassie Thompson. Um, Alsing is off to a really hot start offensively. He's got 13 points in 18 games, and that's that's sort of a uncharacteristic of him just because in, I think, so his career high before that was... It was only 15 for for the SHL. So that's what he had last year, and that was in 49 games. So um, don't know exactly what's up with that. And then uh, Lassie Thompson has six points in 14 games. I know he had a couple goals in his first couple games or something, so kind of cooled off offensively since then. But um, not not too bad of a start considering he's he's in a, a men's league. So, um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think those were um, worth mentioning at least. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I, I expect both of them to be in North America next year, so we'll see how that goes. But uh, yeah, Alsing yeah, in particular, he kind of really jumped out at me. He's he's taking more chances this year. Um, he was just at the Four Nations tournament where he scored an, uh, where, uh, where he scored a goal as well. So um, good on him. I mean, it seems like it's a good pickup by the Sens. We'll see how he does uh, in the transition to North America next year. But uh, yeah, I think it's about time we get to the listener questions. Thank you so much, everyone who submitted listener questions today. Uh, we got quite a few of them to go through. Um, including Spencer, <laughs> I think <laughs> <laughs> quite a few questions today. Um, uh, let's start with this one, though, uh, a bit of a light one. Uh, since he was, la- since I was last on the show, have either of you got into coffee? And if not, why? <laughs> uh, definitely have not. And why I've st- I still don't like the taste Spencer. I just, I, I can't get into it. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Same dude. I'm just gonna <laughs> stick with my, uh, normal be- beverages right now. Yeah. <laughs> um let's see do i guess should we just knock all the spencers out first yeah let's, let's go for it spencer okay, okay. We, we got you on this um okay. <laughs> okay this is another weird one uh what flavor of ice cream best describes anders nielsen okay. and why i actually thought this one through <laughs> good because i did <laughs> not anders nielsen is a rainbow sherbet oh i like that not only is he a supporter of lgbtq which is fantastic but uh, he just seems like a, a sweet guy. So that's a really good answer. I'm I'm sure Spencer will be very happy to hear that. Right. <laughs> um, and next one from uh, from Spencer, um, uh, Eric Brandstrom. Uh, there seems to be some talk, uh, maybe on Twitter, about people wanting to see him sent down to Belleville. Uh, what are your thoughts on his play so far? Yeah, so we were kind of saving the Brandstrom talk for this question just because we we saw it um, that it was here, and I I think that. It wouldn't harm him to send him down. Um, I think once Willannon comes back, um, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they actually did send him down there. Um, he looked very solid against New Jersey last night, and I, I think he's better than people are giving him credit for. I don't think he's been a standout defenseman by any by any means, um, but I think he can play. I think he I think he's capable of much more, but I think he's like he, he he's totally able to play at this level um but at the same time sure maybe if you want to give him some confidence i wouldn't be totally opposed to sending him down yeah same here i i feel like um just keeping him in the nhl to begin with was maybe a bit of uh um maybe a bit bit, bit rushing uh not rushing his development but just uh uh Given the transitions of, of going into a new season, I feel like maybe a few games would have at least been good. And I think it's also remembering that the only reason he's really here right now is because Christian Willen is Christian Willen is injured. Mm-hmm. And um, so it really wasn't a given until Willen's injury that Branstrom would be making the roster. And to me, he's just been kind of average. I mean, he's had his ups and downs. Um, he hasn't shown... He, for, for a guy who's so highly touted offensively, he's kind of been a bit underwhelming in that sense to me. Uh, I've I've been waiting for him to wow me at some point. I just haven't really seen that yet. So, um, he he was doing that a lot in the AHL last year. He was really wowing people with his uh with his skill set. And I just haven't really seen that so far. So um, yeah, that's fair. I I, I kind of ag- uh, agree that I feel like now would be a decent time to send him down, um, just so he can kind of gain some confidence, help out <laughs> help out Belleville's defense a little bit too in the process. Oh man, yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, I, I, as long as he's getting played with someone competent, um, maybe, maybe with Christian Yaros, although, I, again, I'm not too sure about his play so far this year, but it's not like I've been very pleased with Ron Hainsey's play either. So, um. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, the the bar is, is not that high in terms of 
especially like third pairing defenseman on a bad team. So um, anyways, um, last one comes uh, from Spencer. He says, if you could undo one move by Pierre Dorian that isn't related to Mark Stone or Eric Carlson, what would it be? And uh, Matt Bosti followed, followed it up with uh, Mika Zibanejad easily. Yes. And I have to agree there too. I, I mm-hmm. mean, just looking how Zibanejad has turned out so far. I mean, as many regrettable moves as Dorian has made over the years, um, I don't know. I'm not even going to bother listing them because there, there's so many. But yeah, that world really kind of sticks out, especially in hindsight. Even at the time, we knew it was a cost-cutting move where um, they just didn't really feel as patient with Zibanejad at the time. So um, yeah, I, I have to agree on that one. Yeah, I, I would agree too. I think there's a slight case you can make for the Hoffman one just because they literally ended up with nothing and just Bodker. Um, whereas at least the Zibanejad one, they salvaged that by getting, you know, Philip Gustafson, Johnny Tychonic, and Jacob Bernard Docker. Um, but on the same at the same time, I mean Zibanejad is a first line center and and Hoffman's, you know, defensive liability and, and things like that. So um, I would still go with Zibanejad as well. For sure. All right. This next question is for you, Trevor. It's from Brian Classic. Uh, when he, <laughs> when I beat you in fantasy hockey, will you be delivering your cover, your, your concession speech online or in person? So, am I facing him this week? I don't even know. Let's see. Do you want, do you want to get a bit backstory here? Because I'm not, I'm not even aware of the full story. So. Oh, um, wait. Well, first of all, I thought he meant I was facing him tonight, which or this week, which I'm not, which oh. is confusing. <laughs> um, <laughs> so. I don't, I mean, the backstory is just that, um, so I've been in, in the league with like Ryan and Bosti and Poppy and Beata and there's a bunch of people. There's like 18 teams at this point. It's, it's kind of ridiculous guys. I think it's, there's too many teams. I think we started with 12, which is a good amount, but anyway, um, I and how think, how many times have you won? Well, I mean, the thing is I've only actually won once in the three oh, years, right. but oh. the other two years I finished second. So like I've lost oh. in the finals twice. Um, and there was one year where I think from like October, 2017 until literally the last week, um, of last season. So till 2019, it was like literally a year and a half. I hadn't lost in a single week <laughs> until, uh, DVB Derek Van Bros uh, beat me in the final. So <laughs> it was just sort of everyone's, uh, before the draft this year, everyone was sort of, you know, ganging up on me, making sure that uh, they're not trading with me or anything and making sure I don't win. So not off to the greatest start this year, I got to say. All right. I, I yeah. got to get in. I got to get in there and uh, set things straight next year, too. So. Yeah, you got to. <laughs> right. uh, um, next next question is from Capital Gains. Yep. P? <laughs> That's P. It. Yes, P. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this next one is from Gab Duffmouse. Uh, asking for Norris, joking aside, uh, but, but real questions, uh, for Colin White, a long-term center or right wing? And do you think Ilya Kovalchuk will be an Ottawa Senator on December 16th after his bonus is paid out? I think, I think I prefer White at center. Um, at the same time though, if you are keeping Pajot and you're having Norris and Brown mm-hmm. and say like Byfield or something like that, then maybe you will have to push him to the, to the right side eventually. Um, but I think he can do either or. And then Kovalchuk, <laughs> I know that's talked about a lot. Um, I don't know. I I, I can't. Because they would still have to add money, correct? Uh, I'm not entirely sure about the situation. Because I think they would have still... to add at least a bit. And I don't I don't really see why Melnick would do that. So, And yeah. I, I sort of hope they don't yeah. do that. And for, I guess going to White, I, I I would be opposed to putting him on the right wing. I think it's it's becoming a bit more evident right now that last season last season he was definitely propped up by being on a line with uh, Mark Stone and Brady Kachuk. So, um, mm-hmm. not not to count him out as uh, not, it's not like I'm counting him counting him out as a legitimate centerman, possibly even a top six center even. But uh, I would be opposed to trying him out there, especially if they end up. Uh, um, especially if guys like Logan Brown and Josh Norris end up breaking out or if they draft another top center this year. So, um, yeah, well, I, I, I don't know. It's, it's kind of playing it by ear at this point, I'd say. Yeah. Well, and that, that's a good segue to the next question from Adam Wyland, and he goes along those same lines. Um, if Brown ends up becoming our number two behind White as early as next season, then the Suns will still need that high pick to earn a legit 1C, which they might get in the 2020 draft. Do Tierney and Pajot have a place in this roster moving forward? How could you turn down high picks for them? 
yeah, I think we went over this earlier, but yeah, it's it, for me. I'm I'm on team trading everybody. <laughs> so <laughs> if if they if they can get a good package even next week for either player, I'd pull that trigger. As uh, as yeah, I I think they really should both end up being traded. Who ends up taking those spots afterwards? Who knows? That's for the that's for the team to figure out. But uh, mm-hmm. um, I mean, we got Colin White. They got. Uh, Logan Brown, who I wouldn't be comfortable in the top six at this point, but uh, I mean it'd be it'd be worth a shot. Don't know until we try, but uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I. Th- for, sorry, go sorry, ahead. Yeah, and I guess for for one C, I mean it's uh, Brown does seem to have the best shot out of this shot at this point, but uh, if they're really going to go for that elite number one center, it's going to be in the draft this year. That's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah, I mean I think I think Brown has that potential more than anyone, but I'd be much more comfortable if they could actually get. A, a true elite 1C because it seems like pretty much every team that wins the cup has that. I guess save um, save the Blues from last year who didn't really have that prototypical Crosby or Taves or, or player like that. Yeah. Uh, th- this next question is, again, for you, Trevor, from Father Phaneuf. Uh Strictly based on Trevor's eye test, how, is, how, how have you liked Nikita Zaitsev this year? Analytics aside, just eye test. Yeah, I mean, I think... Um, He's definitely been a lot, if you're comparing him to CeCe, he's been a lot less chaotic um, overall. He, I think he looks better on the eye test than he does analytically. Um, you know, he gives up a ton of shots. I'm not his biggest fan by any means. Um, watching him, though, he doesn't look terrible. Um, I know I've seen a lot of people that have actually liked him. I, I don't think he is a positive I don't think he has a positive impact on the on the center's D, but in terms of the eye test, he yeah he he doesn't look as bad as CC, even though he might be in in reality. Yeah, what what is that square chart? Is it like not lawful neutral, but like evil neutral or something? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like <laughs> his results are pretty atrocious. Like yes, like uh, I was looking at numbers from Evolving Wilds website uh, a couple days ago, and he's he's been near the bottom in terms of uh, of war for defensemen this year. But I mean, yeah, on the ice, you, I, I like the way you put it. He's just a lot less chaotic than CC. He just isn't as standout and isn't quite as noticeable. And he's kind of making Shabbat let things happen on his own. So, mm-hmm. yeah, um, I, I, I mean, I still would rather develop with Shabbat any day of the week at this point. But uh, I mean, we're yes, stuck with here. Zaitsev. We're, we're we're stuck with Zaitsev at this point. Yeah. Next one comes in from Mike Little. He says, any concerns about Hogberg and his one-way deal next year? Um, I, not really. I wouldn't say so. Um, I mean, it, it kind of seems like another weird situation, like what they did with Max McCormick, where they just gave him a one, a one-way deal out of, of hoping that he transitioned without having any guarantees of him actually doing so. So, um, at the same time, it's not like I'm too too worried. Um, it's at the point where, um, if he if he isn't at the point where he's deserving of playing in the NHL next year, then I feel like if they waive him, then at the beginning of the season especially, I don't feel like there's a good chance he'll be picked up just because goalie markers are weird that way. Um, but at the same time, like I wouldn't be opposed to at least trying him out in, in, in the NHL. I mean, we were talking about... we were, At the beginning of the season, we were talking, we were definitely giving lots of praise to Hogberg and hoping he could play in, in, in the NHL as soon as this year, maybe even getting more starts than Craig Anderson. At this point, it seems pretty unlikely it's going to be uh, that good for Hogberg uh, of a season, but uh, I don't know. I mean, goal- things can happen with goalies that are beyond my realm of knowledge and beyond the realm of human knowledge. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, like you were saying, he's not going to get claimed if he's if he's bad next season, and and then so what? You have him in in the minors, and um, you know that's that's a bit of a sunk cost there, but it's not really the end of the world by any means. Yeah. Uh, this question, uh, or from Kyle Snowden from Pajot Trader Resign, I think we already touched on that um, pretty thoroughly, Kyle. Um, I think it's I think it's the last question from Scott Crossman. Yeah. Uh, do, yeah do you use any, do you use any memory techniques for learning all these new players? Also, if each member of the defense could still be could be a Care Bear, which one would they be? Um, I, I don't know any Care Bears, but if uh, whichever one's the most popular is Dylan DeMello, I'll say that much. Oh, I like that. Okay, wait. I'm just looking some up now. Um, maybe oh, I should have no. done this oh, before, no. but let's see. Okay, what do we got? Uh, 
Oh wait, list of Care Bear characters. But I mean, well, would you not include Nielsen on that list too? Yeah, yeah, I I say so. Okay, okay. So here's a list: bedtime bear, birthday bear, cheer bear, friend bear, funshine bear, good luck bear, grumpy bear, love a lot bear, tender heart bear, and wish bear. And there's plenty more too, but <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta answer this seriously. <laughs> uh, gr- uh, uh, Who's grumpy yes, bear? That's Mark Borowiecki. Yeah, good answer. Yeah, I like that. All right. Friend Bear. Ooh. Um, I feel like, well, you could say DeMello for that one, too. Um, I'd so. I don't know. It's an interesting... Oh, Cheer Bear. Uh, Kachuk. Oh, yeah, easy. Okay, that, <laughs> yeah. that's a good one. Um, uh, and I guess first part, uh, I don't know. I just yeah, kind of... Uh, I mean, I don't know if that's meant to be, like, a serious... I feel like that's just sort of joking. Um, learning all these yeah. new players. I don't know. It's just sort of part of the process of, of being a fan, especially of someone who, you know, both of us cover the team with either the podcast and or writing, and you just sort of, you know... It, it's part of the process of learning who these players are, so, yeah. You, you scour Elite Prospects enough, and you get to know these players pretty Exactly. <laughs> Thank you, Elite yeah. Prospects. <laughs> um anything else should we uh should we wrap it up there i think that's all let's uh hope for some more losses for the sense this week go team tank yes they need some losses go team tank as i wrap it up reminder that you can find the cost for podcast on itunes spotify and stitcher and if you really enjoy it you can rate and review the podcast on those platforms as well you can find me on twitter at shack ts and you can follow colin on twitter at cudmore colin and also read his articles at silver seven cents if you want to submit a listener question for an upcoming episode, send us a message at CP Pointcast on Twitter, where you'll get any updates about the show. That's all for today. Adios.